Come on, I'm excited. I'm believing God. He's going to move this morning in the name of Jesus. We want to take this time to welcome each and every one of you, especially those watching on Facebook Live, on YouTube Live, and on Faith TV. Come on, from Durban, South Africa. Come on, let's give them a great big God bless you and welcome. We love you. And then to each one of you in this building this morning, I want to tell you God has got something special for you in Jesus' name. Be big, be bold, think the future, and trust the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. But while you're standing, we're going to read the word this morning. While we stand, because we're going to honor the word of God. Before we even get into all the preliminaries, if you have your Bible with you, take the Bible and open it to Luke 15. Luke 15. We need to honor the word of God again. Hear what I'm saying to you this morning? We need to honor the word of God again. There would be no sense in saying you trust Jesus if you don't take his advice. There would be no sense in saying you trust Jesus, but you don't take his advice, the word of God. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Luke 15, verse 1 from the Passion, Passion Translation, because we are passionate Christians. When I preached in Pretoria recently for Pastor At, somebody said, Pastor, you spit. I said, I'm passionate. Don't want to kiss your wife and it's a dry kiss. Luke 15 verse 1. You know what I'm thinking about the Word of God. On one occasion, Jesus was preaching in the crowds on the shore of the Lake Galilee. There was vast multitudes of people pushing to get close to Jesus to hear the Word. It sounds like what's happening in South Africa right now. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge with a fisherman nearby rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and asked him, let me use your boat. Push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowds. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished, he said to Peter, now row out to the deep water to cast your nets and you will have a great catch. I want to prophetically declare that as we launch out, there's a great harvest of souls coming. As we launch out, there is blessing coming. As we launch out, there is revival coming in every area of our lives. Now row out deep to the water, cast your nets, and you will have a great catch. Master Peter replied, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. And when they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish, so much that their nets were ready to burst. They waved to their business partners that were successful in the other boat for help, and they ended up completely filling both boats with fish until their boats began to sink. God never leaves you with less than when He found you. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt down, humbled himself at Jesus' feet, and begged Him, Go away from me, Master, for I am a sinful man. And Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his fishing partners, Jacob and John, the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle of catch of fish. And Jesus answered, Do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter. From now on you will catch men for salvation. 
And after pulling their boats to the shore, they left everything behind them and followed Jesus. Two things before we take our seats. Jesus' relationship with his disciples begins and ends with a miraculous catch of fish. It would make no sense in saying we trust and believe Jesus if we don't take his advice. And Father, I pray this morning that your spirit would come and bring revelation knowledge. You would use a mere mortal man with a voice to carry an anointed word that will set the captives free, that would heal the brokenhearted and bring deliverance to those who are in prison. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord. So, Father, I ask you to touch, heal, deliver, make whole all that is broken. Set us on a course with purpose. Bless us into our purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God one more praise clap, and then you may be seated this morning. I want to speak to you this morning a simple message, which I believe will set us up for Pentecost, which is next week. And the message title, if there is such a title, is the power of your influence. The power of your influence. I think many times we underestimate the power of our influence. Nothing big started big. No great orator, no great person of influence ever started as a great orator or as a great person of influence. They started influencing small. No business person started out with millions. They started small. No, nothing that ends great ever started great. It started small. The Bible says if you're faithful in little, he'll give you much. If you're faithful in what belongs to another man, God will give you your own. If you're faithful in unrighteous mammon, which is money, God will give you to you true heavenly riches. We've been speaking about building back better. And I want to say to you that through this pandemic, don't settle for a religious relationship with God. Don't settle for religion and lack a real relationship with God. When you really encounter God, you become a generous person. And I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your life. Because the Bible says in Acts 20 verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 25, New Living Translation, as you refresh others, God will refresh you. We have to live for a cause bigger than me. Like I shared last Sunday, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, she encountered the mercy, the love, the grace, the power of God. And she went back to her town and said, come meet a man. She didn't have a theology degree. She hadn't sat in church like many of us have sat in church for year upon year upon year upon year. She encountered him once and she experienced his love, his mercy, his grace. And she went back to her town and said, come meet a man. Come meet a man. And the Bible says in John chapter 4 that they followed her and many came to know Christ because of that Samaritan woman. And then it goes on to say, and many more believed because of his own word. They had a personal encounter because she said, come. And personal experience is always better than reason. 
Come meet a man. I don't want you to come to our church or to be watching online because so-and-so is a great preacher or because we've got brilliant praise and worship, which we have, or because everything we do at CRC is of absolute excellence, the way we serve, the way we honor, the way we look after people on a Sunday. It's not because of that. I want you to come meet a man. I want you to encounter Christ for yourself. I want you to be so moved by God's love, His presence, His power. And because you touched Him, experienced Him, you must never underestimate your power of influence. And there's too much in the scripture for us to get through in a few minutes. Jesus had a message, but he didn't have a platform. These fishermen who had been fishing all day, all night, and caught nothing, and they were repairing their nets, had a platform, but no message. Let me put it to you this way. Their life was devoid of purpose. And a life devoid of purpose will always lead to destruction. I was talking to somebody recently who is a prophet in the body of Christ. And he asked me this question. He said that pastor utter yourself always refer to living a life of purpose. What do you mean? And if I spoke to each one of you individually, some of you would give me different answers. You see, there's a difference between your destiny and your purpose. We all have different destinies, different talents, different abilities, different gifts, different passions. But our purpose is the same. Our purpose is that of Jesus to seek and to save that which is lost. I'm not preaching the gospel in the week to people because I'm a pastor and I want to get them to our church. I'm preaching the gospel to people in the week because I'm a Christian. What I do on a Sunday and what I do in the week is different to my witnessing and to my testifying. Took my daughter back to university on Friday and drove back yesterday morning. And I've been building a relationship with people in Harry Smith that work at a coffee place. And every time we drive up to take our kids back to university, we stop off at the same coffee place. And I built a relationship with these people. Whenever you give them a tip, they go, well, I can't remember what they do, but they go, walla, 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 whatever they do. And it's now become a joke when I walk in there and I go, and they make a big noise for me. And possibly some of them are watching this morning. They told me they would. But it was interesting to note that yesterday, one of the ladies said, when are you coming back again? And I said, I don't know. She said, next time will you bring some holy water because I've got some problems. I said, you don't need holy water. She said, what do you mean? I said, let me pray with you. Well, next time you come, will you pray with me? I said, no, let's step out of the coffee shop. Let's stand on the side. Let me pray for you. I didn't pray for her because I'm a pastor. I prayed for her because I'm a Christian and I saw need. I saw hurt. I saw brokenness. It's time that we start living lives of purpose and using our destiny, our talent, our gift to advance God's kingdom. These men have no purpose. Jesus has a message, 
they have a platform. Maybe I should ask you right in the beginning, what are you doing with your platform? How are you using your gift? Your talent? I'm not asking you to put a fish on your car so people can follow you to church and naughty boys can put a shark fin on top of it. Because that's what I used to do. How are you living out your life? How are you serving God at your workplace? How are you serving God with your business? How are you serving God on the sports field? How are you serving God in your school? How are you serving God on that university? How are you living out your witness? Are you the salt and the light? Are you telling people that there is a God that is real? That there is a God that is alive? That there is a God that forgives? That there is a God that heals? That there is a God that delivers? There is a God that makes crooked paths straight? These fishermen had a platform but no message. The Bible says further on in Luke 5 that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Wherever Jesus is, where He's worshipped, where His name is lifted up, His power is present to heal. It also says further on in Luke 5 how the scribes and Pharisees criticized and were wondering. In other words, they had a great religion but poor relationship. So the first thing I want to say this morning, something you've heard over and over again, but your relationship with Jesus is critical. It's not a religion. Hear me this morning. It's not a religion. It's not three rules that you obey and then you will get. If you bow when you come into the building, if you curtsy, whatever curtsy is, if you cross your heart and hope not to die, if you tell a lie, if you touch your head and touch your toes and you pray that you don't land up in an ambulance, one of those, it's not a ritual, it's a relationship. And like a relationship, you go through different challenges, the principles are the same. But you at times question God. Like a Jacob, at times you might wrestle with God. At times he might feel distant, although he's not, he might feel that he's distant. At times you might just feel overwhelmed by his presence and his love. At times you might be in a good place in your relationship with God, but whatever, it's a relationship. It's something that works consistently. It's not something you try. You don't meet a girl or a guy, I'm going to try marriage. If you try it, it doesn't work. Well, I went to church for a while and I tried that tithing thing and it didn't work for me. God didn't ask you to try it. He told you to tithe. And tithe is based on worship. It's a heart that is towards God. It's a heart that is set on God. Your relationship with God is everything. The first thing God wants with you is a relationship, not religion. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, the Bible says, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. I mean, if you look at the example in Luke 15 of, of the parable of, it says my Bible, it says the parable of the lost son, but it's actually the parable of the lost two sons. Because you've got this one son 
who's easy to identify because he is wayward and he takes his father's inheritance prematurely and he goes and wastes it on prodigal living, which is wine, woman, and song until he's got nothing left and he finds himself in a pigsty eating pig food. And the Bible says he comes to his right mind. And he says, even my father's servants at least have a roof over their head and they get decent food. So I'm going back to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God and, and make me like one of your servants. And we know the story. He comes back to his father and his father was waiting for him like God is waiting for some of you to come back home, to come and surrender, to get off your high horse of pride and religion and just fall at the Father's feet like Peter when he, rec when he recognized it was Jesus at the boat and he humbled himself. That Father who represents God then restores a son, puts a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet and a new cloak and he says, my son was lost but now he's found. And then there's another brother, the older brother. The older brother was, is more difficult to identify because he's working for the Father all the time. He's in church all the time. In actual fact, he has available to him everything the Father has. Yet he represents the religious. Because he's in church every Sunday, but he never catches the Father's heart. He sees his father's extravagant generosity towards his younger brother, but he can't relate to it because all he's worried about is me, my, and I. God doesn't want religion. He wants relationship. And I know the older brother who's religious is not always easy to recognize, especially if we are the older brothers. I'll say it again. God wants a relationship. Not a religion, he wants a relationship with you. God wants to heal you. God wants to make you whole. God wants to have you a surrendered person to him. I mean, I counsel a lot of people who go through a myriad of challenges, but my safe place is not to give them my opinion, my safe place is to give them the word of God. But it's strange. How the people that don't want the word of God are, as a council are the ones that stay in the same place. We want God, but we don't want His word. But His word and Him are one. We want Jesus, but we don't want His word. But, but Jesus and the word are one. We want the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit and the word are one. God is three in one. You, you can't separate them. So a relationship with God needs us to come to a place where we recognize He is God. We are not. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We are not. A relationship, us coming to Him, recognizing we are finite, He's infinite. It's us coming to Him, recognizing He's abounding in love, grace, and mercy, and we're not. It's us coming before God and humbling, saying, Lord, I surrender to you. God, I give myself back to you. God, I'm going to take your word as the first and final authority in my life. And as I journey with you, and as you speak to me, 
And as you teach me, I'm going to live a life surrendered. I'm going to live a life surrendered to Him. Even though I don't understand it. Even though it doesn't always make sense. I mean, I, I try to compare it to marriage. There's no way in the Bible, the Bible says you must understand your wife. It says love your wife. As Christ loved the church. And gave his life for it. Come on ladies, work with me a little bit. I know it's not Mother's Day, but go amen or something. But let's put it on the other foot. Marriage, husbands love your wives. And then it says wives, you shall respect your husbands. That's the key to a great marriage, love and respect. But if you knew my husband and what he does behind closed doors when he's watching TV, how would I respect? The Bible's not saying respect what he does. Respect him. Ladies, let me help you for free. You have a look in your eyes and you have a tone in your voice that you can just show a little bit of respect for us, your men. And we wobble at the knees. Our hands open up. The bank accounts are open. It's just if you respect us, we... And husbands, if you love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave her preference. Now that's in your Bible. Then people come for marriage counseling. Oh, pastor, my marriage is over. My husband is A, B, and C. Do you realize when you're pointing at your husband, there's fingers pointing back at you? Why don't I do... I do, but I don't push it. Marriage counseling, because 90% of the time, what you want from me is you want to come and tell me all about how bad your husband is or how bad your wife is, and you know I'm going to pull out the Bible and I'm going to put it back on you. Do you know why some people struggle with church? Because when you read the Bible, it's like a mirror. We haven't got time to gossip about other people because we've got to get them saved. You don't come to church to tell people what is wrong with other people. You don't come to church to point out what's wrong with the church. You don't come to you come to church to worship God. You come to church to be empowered through the word of God. You come to church to bring your world to church. It's not our time to come and point out the wrongs of others. It's not our time to come and lay the faults of others at the feet of the cross. We come before God ourselves. It's a relationship. And it starts with you. And it starts with me. Do we really want what God wants? Because to have a relationship with God, we need to surrender to Him in worship. We need to surrender to Him in the Word. We need to surrender to Him in obedience. We need to surrender to Him by trusting. I'll say it again. There would be no sense in saying you trust Jesus or you're a follower of Jesus if you don't take His advice. It's time for us as the church of Jesus Christ to come to our senses, to come to our right mind and return back to God's presence, to God's pattern, to turn back to the Father in full surrender. I spoke a message recently on a Sunday evening 
called as many as touched the hem of his garment. And I spoke about how we need the church of Jesus Christ. That's why Pastor Ut and a whole team of pastors are fighting for the church doors to be opened safely and responsibly because we need the church. It's a pillar in our relationship with God. We need leadership. It's a pillar in our relationship with God. We need a purpose. It's a pillar in our relationship with God. We can't have a relationship without following his pattern. I'll give you a personal testimony. I don't like green things with these tiny pips in them. So when we got married early on, I, I would win all the arguments. I know you've all got masks on, but it looks like you're enjoying the message, please. I would win all the arguments because I would take scripture. I still win all the arguments. I would take scripture and use it to my advantage. So the one night my wife made it food, a stew or something, I don't know what it was but it had those funny long things with green things in it with these little funny pips and I hate them, I hate them I think they're devil's food so we had this big fight I said I've asked you nicely not to do it she says, I mean you can't even taste it so then I say what's the point of putting it in but then I used the scripture if you love me, obey my commands now it was out of context I understand the, the point I'm trying to get to it, the Bible says His commands are not burdensome because His commands are not limiting but liberating. When God warns us of something, it's not because He wants to take fun out of our lives. He wants to get us into this perfect relationship which brings fulfillment, peace, joy, blessing, promotion, and purpose. Your relationship with God is everything. And your relationship with God is different to my relationship with God. That's why it's working out your salvation with fear and trembling because you might be a very studious kind of person. You might be a prayer that can pray for hours and hours and hours. You, you, I don't know your personality type. And that doesn't even matter. It's you journeying with God, but you still need to pray. You still need to worship. You still need the Word. You still need to obey. You still need the church. You still need to participate. You still need all those things. You still need leadership. You need all those things. But your own personal intimacy with God is different. I mean, you see some couples, and they can't stop touching each other. I don't sit at home on the couch with my wife and watch some soap opera and, and, and arms around each other and, and she's playing with the veins of my hand. And my dog would bite her. We're different. But then you get couples that are like that. And because one couple is like that and another couple is like, it's all about how you relate. But there are certain things that we need. I'm going to say it again. We need the church. We need the church open. It's one of the pillars of your relationship with God, if I can call it that. You need leadership. You need purpose. So I'm talking today and getting you to a place of you understand it's about a relationship with God. Because it's in that relationship that God builds you. Your relationship with God is very personal. But God still gives us a pattern through His Word to follow. And we have to develop our relationship with God according to His pattern, not our preferences. And the sooner that you surrender in your relationship to God and say, not my will, but His will be done, He can position you for what He has for you. 
his disciples. He came to me and said, give me your boat. He had a message. They had a platform. They surrendered their platform to his message. And he blessed them. He said, cast your nets on the other side. Um, excuse me. We fishermen, we hear you're a carpenter. We've got degrees, bachelors of physiology. Have you even got a degree in carpentry? Where we fish, you fish at night time. And we've had a tough day. We've not made much profit. And now we're going home to Nyanya because she wants to see how much I've got. And Peter says, hang on, nevertheless, watch this. At your word. It doesn't always make sense. The word of God doesn't always make sense and it doesn't have to. My job is not to try and work out God with my finite mind. My job is to surrender to the word of God. My job is to surrender to the will of God. My job is to surrender to the works of God. I don't have to work it out. Nevertheless, at your word. And the Bible says that they then got a boat sinking, net breaking load of fish harvest. I'm here to tell you, that there's a harvest coming. I'm here to tell you that God is positioning the church for revival like it's never seen before. I'm here to tell you, but it starts with a relationship. A relationship. It starts with us getting our hunger back. The second thing I want to say, that's all I'm saying today. Two things. It starts and ends with your relationship. We sang it. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. Which really means He's the beginning. And He's the end. God is the beginning. And God is the end. So if God is the beginning and everything rests on my relationship with God. And He's the Omega. And He's the end. And everything rests on my relationship with God. And He's everything in between. When last did you really surrender to Him? We come to church. Oh, we're going to sing three, four, five songs. I don't know. Some praise, some fast ones, some slow ones, worship. Pastor Glenn's going to say this. He's going to alter call. Gonna... We get so ritualistic that we, we forget that there's a purpose to what we do here to help people, but then we start taking it for granted. When last you come to church and say, God, I come surrender to you. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I've been in this one place too long. Not the one church. You should be in one church for the rest of your life. But, but in this place where my relationship with God has got dry. I mean, some of you haven't changed your hairstyle in years. Surrender. Who are you, Lord? I'll get to that. Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? When else you come to church and you sit at the edge of your, of your seat? With your Bible open and a notepad, waiting to hear. So good to hear the kids' church making a noise in the background. Hallelujah. Kids are back in home. Kids are back where they're supposed to be. Oh, come on, somebody. Just jump to your feet and give praise to God for the kids' church. Kids are back where they need to be. Bring your kids back to church. Get your kids back into the house of God. I miss that sound. 
I miss that sound. Stoltekak, keep the kids quiet. No, let's just build a thicker wall. Your relationship with God is personal, but never private. I'll say it again. Your relationship with God is personal, but never private. Your relationship with God is personal. It starts with you, but it can never remain private. As I said to you, I was in that coffee shop, got my order of coffee. I don't even want their coffee. I don't even like their coffee. I don't. When you drove back yesterday, I bought the smallest one you could get. Just to hear, walla, 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 walla. And to talk into their lives. When I said to the lady, and she said, next time you come, can you bring some holy water? You know, I got into the car afterwards, I said to my wife, I'm angry. That somebody can deceive somebody else about God. I said, why do you want water? She said, because I want you to put it, and I won't tell you what is wrong. Wait, 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 because I've got this problem. Blah, 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 blah. I said, no, 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 I'll pray for you. Oh, next time you come, no, right now. And there were other people standing in the coffee shop. And they look at me like this. I said, man, God loves you. And I took her outside the door. I put my hand on her shoulder and I prayed for healing. I prayed God would reveal himself. I prayed God would love her. I prayed God. I'm not going to keep the message of Christ private. My relationship with him is personal, but it's not private. Oh, you might at this stage of your walk with God still feel intimidated. But listen, when you plug yourself into the power of the Holy Ghost and you surrender 150 million percent, you can't keep quiet about the goodness of God. You can't keep quiet about the grace of God. You can't keep quiet about the mercy of God. You can't keep quiet about the favor of God. You can't keep quiet. sing those songs. I will sing of the joy. And then you look like you've been sucking lemons for months. You've encountered religion, not relationship. I'm not knocking people. I'm going to do a teaching on how to interpret dreams. Give me three scriptures where that's in your Bible. Sounds deep. Sounds great. But when God gave people a revelation of a dream, listen to this, it was connected to purpose. Joseph, come talk to me, give me the scripture. If you can give me three scriptures where God taught us how to interpret dreams, I will apologize from this platform, but I'm asking you the question. Because if somebody comes and says to you, come join my course and pay me X, Y, and Z so I can teach you how to interpret the dreams you had, I want to tell you that your dream that you're trying to interpret was because you ate too much pizza or too much pasta and you mix it with some brown liquid and, and, and you're having a nightmare. I don't need a dream. I don't need a dream to tell me my future. I have the Bible. We're too lazy to read the Bible. 
So we need somebody to give us an interpretation that appeals to our flesh. If you want to talk sometimes about the prophetic, the prophetic is actually speaking the word of God. And 90% of the times that God gives you a prophetic word, it's to shake you out of complacency. It's to shake you out of selfishness is to shake you of being self-focused and it's about purpose when God gave Joseph a dream in the, in the beginning of the story it was a dream of greatness and it was a dream of significance and it was all connected to purpose which is about people and how God took him on a journey through a relationship and in that journey he found himself rejected in that journey he found himself in a pit in that journey he found himself in part of his house in that journey he found himself falsely accused in that journey he found himself in a prison 13 years the journey and when he interpreted those dreams of the other prisoners he said remember me when I come out and they forgot about him for another two years you see if he had come out immediately he would have gone back to his father But he came out two years later and he interpreted Pharaoh's dream about the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. Why? Genesis 50 verse 20. You meant evil toward me. God said he would turn it around for my good to save many people alive. It's always about purpose. What you've gone through, you've got to keep going through because there's purpose on the other end and purpose is always connected to people. And what I'm trying to say to you this morning is simply your relationship with God is very personal. Joseph's relationship with God was personal, but it was never private. It's like in Luke 15, I haven't got the time, I'm over time. But four friends encountered Jesus. And they brought their friend who was crippled and lowered him out of the ceiling because there was no room to get into Jesus. Do you know why the church is so opposed, even by some religious people? Because we're the only institution that deals with eternity. That God comes and meets us personally and fills that emptiness inside of us and brings peace and hope and healing. But part of that personal encounter with Jesus is so that we would be used by Him to help others experience His love. It's part of the church's greatest challenge in that we become so community-focused. What we think about is me my and I. Your relationship with God is personal. And God's not asking you to tell people every scripture and answer all every questions. What God is asking us to do is to say to people, come meet a man. We can't save anybody. It's not our job to save them. We're not the Savior. He is. But I want to tell you prophetically today that it's time for the church to rise up and bring their world to Him. We to point people to Him. We to bring our world to Him. We can only point people to someone we know. Someone we haven't experienced personally. 
And if we understand this, then everything else makes sense. Because somehow God sovereignly had His hand upon me. My whole life. I look back at my life, the few years that I've had, and I can remember moments where I should have died, places I was in, things that I did that I had friends that crashed cars in that state and died. Somehow God's hand has been on my life and I went through this pit and I went through that trial and I went through that setback and I had that success but then I fell from that success and I had that struggle and I, and I, but, but the whole journey God has been with me because the Bible says all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. I want to tell you this morning that everything will work out if your foundation is relation with him. Everything will work out if you don't quit. Everything will work out if you keep trusting him. You keep believing his word. Take his advice. I'm not even getting halfway through my message. But two things I want you to hear. It starts with a relationship. And it ends with a relationship. And this is preparation for eternity. But connected to that relationship with God. Is your ability to influence other people without you even knowing it. I met somebody in a coffee shop last week, Thursday, I think it was, Wednesday. And they were running late. Very late. And I was busy working on my sermon and a lady came up to me and she said, thank you. For what? I said, your messages. You came here once before and you told me to watch on YouTube and I've been watching ever since. It's touching my life. You never know the power of influence. You never know the power of your influence. But it starts with a relationship. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Both in this building, those watching online. You've come here this morning. My question for you is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Do you really know him? I'm not asking you, can you quote scripture? I'm not asking, can you follow church traditional ritual? Have you come to a place where you've surrendered your heart to him? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He said, unless a man or woman is born again, he cannot inherit eternal life. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. I want to pray with you. 
Or maybe you find yourself in a place where you have made that commitment, but you know your life is confused. You've lost that peace, that joy of that relationship because of things that are happening around you. You've become disconnected. I want to lead you in a prayer. Or maybe today you're standing here, you're sitting here, there on the other side of the camera, and if you were to die right now, you don't have that assurance that you would wake up in God's presence. While every head is bowed, every eyes closed, believers are praying. That's you this morning. Then I want you to quickly, you're listening on the podcast. Quickly, in this building, there on the other side of that camera, slip up your hand and say, yes, you're talking to me. My life is not right with God. I don't have a relationship with Him. I have, but I've wandered away from God. I don't have assurance of salvation. Pray for me. If that's you, quickly, slip it up high. Quickly, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you. Anybody else, quickly, slip it up high. Slip it up high, slip it up high. Slip it up high at the back there on the right. Thank you, thank you there. On the other side of the camera, come on, slip it up. What's my wife going to say? Who doesn't care? What's God going to say? It's about a relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about what other people think. It's about you and Him. You haven't yet raised your hand, but there's a stirring in your heart that's God speaking to you. Then quickly, slip it up now in Jesus' name. Slip it up. Slip it up. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet. Please. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Two prayers. First prayer is for those on the other side of that camera. But we're all going to pray this together. Just pray this simple prayer. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. Come and take your rightful place as my Lord and as my Savior. I receive your love and your forgiveness, and your promise of new life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer on the other side of that camera, I want you to contact us. The details are on the screen. We want to give you something to help in your walk with God. We want to help you connect to the local church, wherever you are. So I ask you to please make contact with us. Go and visit the CRC. If you don't live in Durban, go and visit the CRC in your city. There's always one coming near you. But God loves you. God's got a great plan. And part of that plan is to be part of the local church. Don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock with Pastor Ut, all around the country. Those online, God bless you. We love you. We miss you. Come visit us soon. In Jesus' name, amen.